Hi, I'm Tabitha Snyder, and this is the podcast called Music Across the Generations, where we talk with people in different generations about their different experiences within music that they've listened to. Today, we're going to be sitting down with my grandfather, Reverend Billy Kitts, as well as sitting in with us is my grandmother, Shirley Kitts. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right. So since we're talking about generational differences, um, I figured you could tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what got you into country music. We grew up in the mountains of Kentucky. We were way back in the sticks. We used to say, how far to town, 40 miles or more? Way up in a holler. We didn't have running water. We didn't have bathrooms, we had an outhouse. And I went to school in a one-room building with eight grades, teacher teaching all eight grades. So they figured by the time you heard the first eighth grade being taught and you're in the first grade that you would learn all the other grades. And by the time you got up there, you would know it all. Doesn't work that way. It's still hard. So anyway, We lived, and my dad uh, worked in the logwoods and the coal mines. It was nothing for him to walk all the way to Hyden, Kentucky for a job, and we're talking about miles if you drove it. But he would walk across the mountains and make it there sooner because he'd get up in the morning early and leave. And so basically, we just lived uh, back there. We had our own gardens and our fields, we raised corn to feed the hogs and the animals. We had a chicken area. We had over a hundred chickens. I watched hawks come and try to take them. So I'd get up Monday morning and carry wash water from mom to wash that day. I had to fill up two wash tubs, number threes. If you don't know what a wash tub is, it's round thing <laughs> the whole water and so I went went to school walked there over a mile every day there and back and learned our lessons then when I graduated as I continue mm-hmm. graduated from the eighth grade mom and dad wanted me to go to high school so we moved to Kokomo Indiana and dad got a job in the factory and I started High school. Man, to take a country boy out of a, a school where he didn't learn too much, I didn't think. And then they give you algebra to do. And I flunked algebra flat. So I used to brag and say, oh, well, Einstein flunked it too. <laughs> so I just took it the next year and passed it. And then Dad lost his job, so we had to move back to Kentucky. And back up in the holler. And... To finish, I started high school in Cocoa, Indiana, and to finish the second year of high school, I had to walk across the hill, catch a school bus, and ride it 30 miles to town to go to Hyden, Kentucky. Well, after I finished the second year of high school, then Dad moved to Redbird to a logging camp. And I rode a school bus to go to Redbird High School. We stayed there two years, and I graduated from Redbird High School 
and from there went into the army. Okay, so just tell me a little bit about, you said growing up you guys used to listen to a bunch of music, so what did you listen to exactly? Mostly country music. We listened to WSM Nashville, Tennessee, the Grand Ole Opry. Every Friday night and Saturday we'd listen to whoever was on, and you'd have all these singers. Who was your Hank favorite? Williams, Hank Williams Sr. was always my favorite. Yeah. Who else did you listen to? We would listen to Webb Pierce, Farron Young, Kenny Wells. Oh, who else? There's so many I'm not long since forgotten. Man, that's that's been sixty some years ago. What were some of your favorite songs that you listened to with them about? Was there any, like, certain topics or anything they sing about that you were more drawn to? Not really. Just listen to all of it. Listen to all of it? Yeah. Okay. So, between your music then and music now, what is your opinion on country music now? Uh, it's gone the wrong direction. You think it's gone? Because I'm the old-fashioned country. Mm -hmm. I like that time. Remember some of the songs of Hank Williams Sr., uh, Your Cheating Heart, and our Cold Cold Heart. Man, man. I just go. Yeah. So today, I feel like, I know a lot of the music I listen to would be considered more pop, because it's more of like a popular music, yeah. where they're singing to like, trying to get more fans or they're singing about I mean they still sing about like everyday stuff but I feel like it's more just, just generalized yeah, to way, everybody way put it together and how they play the music say so they've got all these instruments today that's electric when I was listening there's all acoustical no electric yeah I guess that's one of the things yeah it's one of the differences so, would you consider your music more like folk music, more toward like specific people, or toward um, just like in general, like it was created for the people that were making it and for the people around them, and not for just everybody? That's true. That was true because we used to. There would be elections that would happen, and the person that was running would come around and they'd play music and have dances and things like that. And so it was more just for the people in that area because the mountains were not overpopulated. They were just scattered and you had to walk the miles to get the place. Yeah. So growing up, you went to church, correct? At some point? Well, I did. Okay. Mom and dad didn't go. Okay. But I would go and sit and listen. Were they, were this their music at the churches you went to? No, Church of Christ didn't have music. They didn't have music? No, they didn't believe in it. Oh. They sang, but they didn't have They music. would sing, and they were good singers. Mm -hmm. They would sing four-part harmony and all kind of like that, but they would not accept a piano or anything, any music. Wow. So, so I, it was nothing for me to listen to four people preach on a Sunday. Oh, wow. Yeah, one would preach, then somebody else would get up and preach again, and somebody else would get up and preach against both of them. Then none would get up and preach against all three of them. 
Oh, they man. were all, always saying, well, this is the way it is, not that way. Yeah. Okay, so then when you decided to become a pastor, what made you decide to put music in your church? Because I was always playing music when I was a... And the Bible says, rejoice. David played a harp and sang all that music, so I thought that was fine. I didn't see any place in the Bible where it said not to have music. Because in fact, it says praise the Lord with harp and I forget all the other things. Song and dance? Uh, no. That dancing I don't go too far. <laughs> Not because I got two left feet. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I would be wrong there. There are some things I'm wrong. But, uh, well, mom and dad didn't go to church. I think I was in the ministry. Ten years before Dad went to church. Okay. And then it made a change in his life. Okay. So I know when you were first starting out as like a pastor and stuff, you sang, and I know when I would go to your church, you sang more of like hymnals and things like that. Mm-hmm. So what is, because I know like nowadays it's, they still use hymnals, but it's not, it's like taken out and like, Redone into other songs. No, it's courses. Yeah. So how? It's not real hymns. Hymns yeah. have disappeared, and they should be back in the church because there's an awful lot of theology in hymns. It tells you. Yeah. The old people. Fanny Crosby. I wrote. She wrote. I don't know how many hymns. They're probably six thousand plus. But what those music had to say to you was to help you. Yeah, because it was taking it directly from the Bible Whereas, and putting it into... Uh, sometimes you get into these little things, they, they sing, what, seven little words 14 times? And to me, that does uplift me. It doesn't touch where I think I need to be touched spiritually. Yeah. Yeah, today's gone more of more music just to get, like, I feel like the younger crowd in. They're trying to draw in what they listen to from their music styles like and try to put that into if you ask any senior adult they miss the hymns they really want them back but what can you say when young people are in charge anymore yeah so it's definitely that generational gap Okay, so before moving on to the next question, here's a little clip of my grandfather playing a song on his guitar.
Can you just, like, tell me the story about how you got your first guitar? When I was a young boy, about 10 or 11 years old, I was going over to see my mother's brother, Woodrow. And I was, we lived on Peter Branch that ran into Wolf Creek. When we cro I crossed the mountain at Wolf Creek to get over to Cutchin, where her brother lived. And when I was going down the other side of the hill... I crossed a little stream, and I noticed in the stream there was a wristwatch leg in there. So I bent over and picked it up, and I, when I went back home, I gave it to my dad, and my dad took it and traded it or sold it and got me a little guitar. And that's how I got my first one. What happened to that guitar? Do you still have it? Nope. <laughs> I tuned it so hard, the strings <laughs> got so tight, the neck broke. And I didn't have it very long because I didn't know how to tune a guitar. <laughs> so it got destroyed. Aww. Yep, that was sad. But it wasn't longer after that, Dad found somehow to get another one for me because he knew I was interested. Yeah. Because I'd sit and listen to WSM Nashville, Tennessee, Grand Ole Opry, and hear those guys singing. And, and so I learned from that because I, I learned to pick by ear listen to what they were doing, and learn how to sing. One time my mother says, well, why don't you go to Nashville? You're doing better than some of those people that's on that show. <laughs> Never did go. <laughs> yeah, we've got had a music career. <laughs> yeah. Nope, didn't think about that. So you just learned to play by ear then? Yeah. No lessons, no? No lessons. Wow. How'd you learn to read music? Just studied and studied hard. Yeah. Just learn how. <laughs> Got to know the, the notes, what notes they are, if they go up or down. Okay. So from guitar, what was the next one you kind of, I know you play with a couple of different ones. What was the next one you picked up after guitar? I think the steel guitar. Steel guitar? Yeah. I didn't keep that long. I, I sold that. I needed some money. Yeah. So that, I lost that one. Oh. Okay. All right, so before I show you the video on Hazel Dickerson singing the Black Lund song that she wrote for her brother, can you think of any other songs that you know of from your generation that talked about things like that, especially since you were growing up in the coal mines? Like, if you remember anything about that or songs that have to do with that. Remember he had one song that says, I can't go now, I owe my soul to the company store? Yeah, working in the coal mines. Can't remember the name of that song, though. Sixteen tons. What'd you get? Another day older, Dicker. St. Peter, don't call me because I can't go. Oh, I was old to the company store. What we, what in our period of time, what they did was, these the guy that owned the mines also owned the store, and the people went to shop in his store. And he, as you know, they charged a exorbitant price, but they would. Uh, issue script and so you would draw script against your payday and when you went to get your payday you would get less because you drew out all that script and you could take that script and go to the company store and spend it 
What did I do with that stuff I got? I got two two pieces of script, I think. Yeah. So after remembering that my grandfather had um, script, he actually went and found it for me and got to show it to me, which was really cool. It's something that I got to learn new. Um, but after that, I did show them the video about um, Hazel Dickerson singing the song Black Lung um, about her brother. And here is some of the questions that were to follow from watching that clip. So after listening to um, Hazel Dickinson about like the black lung that she wrote for her brother and how um, the politics behind it, just like trying to get everybody, everybody's attention drawn in to show what's going on and how everyone's being treated. Growing up around coal mines yourself, like what are your thoughts on that? Black lung. Dad was cheated out of his black lung that he could have drawn because the company doctors examined dad and said, dad, you, you don't have it. And dad went to other doctors and they said, yes, you do. And if whatever the company doctor says is what happens to you. So dad did not get his black lung. Yeah. My brother Chuck, he received payment for black lung because he hired a lawyer to help him fight the company doctor. And finally, Chuck got his black lung, but then the lawyer got his part too. So I don't think that's too fair. You have to fight to get something that you should have received. And so my brother, he finally got it, but he just got a portion because the lawyer got probably the biggest part okay. of it. So. Uh, and then my youngest brother, he worked in the mines, and Dad, or, uh, David didn't work her long enough to get a black lung because he got hurt going home where he'd worked so many hours in the mine, he fell asleep, and he had a head-on collision, and Dave lost an eye, and they wouldn't let him go back in the mine because he just had one eye. Oh, wow. And so, and Dave had a rough time ever getting a job anywhere because nobody in the hills would hire you he had one eye because they afraid then if something happened to your one eye. So yeah. needless to say, Dave suffered because he couldn't get a job. Yeah. So then, so listening to songs like this is thinking back in that time was, do you feel like that was encouraging then to know that people were out there singing music and trying to get people's attention? To I'm not sure if they that? were or not. They could have. Okay. Um, so thinking back on with your generation and her singing like this versus my generation and what they're using to try to get like for political things and trying to get politics into things. And how do you feel about that with the country music? Cause I know we talked about it's already more pop and going in the wrong direction in your opinion. So politically wise, when they're trying to put songs out there about that, what are your feelings toward that? Well, I just more or less just let them go. You just let them go? And, but I think, you know, our society is moving. How could I say? Seems like everybody's angry at everybody else. And it turns out to be bad. 
Yeah. When people riot and all this. So I think, you know, it's probably true that there are too much uh, politics in what's happening in the world today. And I don't care for that. Yeah. So do you feel like it's hurting with today's music? Like hurting? Trying to... Society. Sing, yeah, it's society yeah. trying to bring in all the music and everything else and putting their opinions into everything. Right. Instead of... Because I know you mentioned growing up, everyone kind of just more or less kept quiet about it. And right. It wasn't involved in the music or that you didn't have television, so there was nothing like that to no. swayed for politics kind of thing. Okay. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and having a conversation about this with me. It's kind of interesting to learn new things about the different generations between yours and mine yeah. with the gap and what our songs are about and what their changes are. So I really appreciate you guys sitting down with me. It's okay. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast about music across the generations. And thank you for listening. As we go out, here's a little clip of my grandfather playing the mandolin.